The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of redlegnation.com. Hello there, podcasters. Welcome back to the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Thanks for joining us again today. In a moment, our old buddy Bill Lack is going to be joined by John Fay, the beat writer for the Cincinnati Inquirer, to talk about the Reds and everything going on as we approach opening day. Can you, can you feel it? Opening day is around the corner. I, I literally cannot wait. Uh, it's just, this is the most exciting time of the year where most of us filled with the hope that at least the Reds can give us an exciting product to watch this year, whether they win uh, or have a chance of winning the division or not. But, you know, there's always a chance to hope at this time of year. I'm looking forward to Monday. I'm going to enjoy watching the, the opening day game. Hopefully the Johan Santana won't uh, be too rough on, on the Reds, and it'll be the start to another uh, great baseball season. Um, now, if you haven't already, I want to just ask you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. A lot of people have been doing that in the last couple of weeks. Really appreciate all of you that have subscribed, and I especially appreciate all of you that have sent me emails uh, to radio at redlegnation.com with your comments, suggestions, questions, things like that. Keep them coming. We love those, and uh, we're going to, in future episodes, we're going to make a point to try to read uh, at least one or two of those emails on the air if we can. So keep sending those along. Um, at this time, we're going to go ahead and lead right into this uh, conversation that Bill had with John Fay. I think you'll find it very interesting, and uh, they address most of the topics that you and I are wondering about as we enter this 2009 baseball season. It's the final pre-opening day podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. Today we're th- thrilled to be spending some time on the phone with John Fay, the beat writer for the Cincinnati Enquirer. John, thanks a lot for your time today. No problem. John, let's start with a little background on you. I know you went to Elder High School in Cincinnati, and then you went to UC. Uh, did you major in journalism? No, actually, I went to AD. Oh, you um, went to UD? I'm sorry. Yeah, and I, uh, I majored in communication arts with a concentration on journalism. So, so how did you end up at the Enquirer and then as beat writer for the Reds? Well, I started part-time when I was going college just covering high school things and then I was an intern and you know I I had done a lot of different things I'd done UC for a while I'd done some backup bangles and uh, you know at one point they made a change on on the beat at mid-season and asked me to kind of fill in for the rest of the season and you know I I did it that year and I thought well I'll do it one more year and that was like seven years ago so it's uh, I I didn't know that I would like it as well as I like it it's uh, you know it's with baseball, there's something new every day, and it's uh, it's just become very comfortable for me to write about. Okay. Tell us about your typical day during the regular season, John. What does your day entail? Well, if it's a night game, and say it's a night game at home, we uh, the beat writers usually meet with Dusty Baker at um, 
3.30 when uh, that's when the clubhouse opens. It opens three and a half hours before the game. You know, typically we'll meet with him for 15 or 20 minutes and then, um, you know, kind of ask him a lot of stuff that will end up in our notebooks and things like that. And then uh, the clubhouse is open until batting practice starts, so uh, you can talk to players then and, and get what you need for that next day's story, and, you know, and um, probably head up to the the uh, the press box around um, 5.30 or 6, usually have a meal in the press dining room, and then, then the game begins. And, you know, it, the way deadline is, I, I'm writing during the whole game pretty much uh, just to, because it ends pretty closely to when we have to have our story. And, um, and then after the game, we'll go down and talk to the players for that, that game story, and um, again, depending on time, I, I, I may uh, I may just have to, to do a one edition story, or uh, sometimes I'll have to do a story and then update it later. But you know, and, and I'm typically out of there about an hour after the game. Is John? Is it a is it a fine line to walk when you when you have to question the players, and yet you got to keep a good relationship with them so you can deal with them every day? Is that is that a tough line to walk? Well, you know, it's I, I, you know you have to deal with them every day, and I, I keep the relationship as professional as possible. I, you know, if, if I walked into a, a bar, or a restaurant, a player was sitting there, there's very few that I would join. I would say hi, hi to them, but um, you know, outside of the the park, it's, it's pretty much just a very uh, casual relationship, you know. And, and it, it comes a time when when you're going to write something that's going to tick someone off. It's just it's it's a matter of uh, of the, you know the law of averages, and, and you have to deal with it. I think the most important thing for a writer for their credibility is they got to, they got one stand up to the guy, and, and two, you know, we're there every day. So, um, you know, if anybody ever has a complaint, you know, I said just bring it to me. And I, I, I the one thing I like to do is, is step away from, so a guy can't put on a show by you know calling me out, you know, and, and some, that's happened a few times, but. Um, Generally, with baseball players, they're pretty easy to deal with because we deal with them on such a, uh, a regular basis. Um, you know, in, in the case of the Bengals, they might get three hours a week where they can uh, where they can have access to the, the clubhouse. I mean, we, we have it pretty much all the time, and um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it. I think it's it's just a it's a different kind of relationship. Plus, we travel and we're around them a lot. But again, you know, I, I try to keep things at arm's length, and, I, you know, there's no player I would consider a friend or, you know. I, I mean, some of the guys, after they retire, you get to know them a little bit. But when they're playing, you get, you got to keep a little bit of distance. When we talked to, to Chris Welch, he, he's talked about, you know, being available to players when they have a, a grievance with something. He said, do you think it's easier for Chris being an, ex, an ex-player than it might be for you? Well, there's definitely a different kind of relationship and, you know, um, I think that they definitely treat former ball players differently. I think that you know, once you're a ball player, you're always considered a ball player. Um, you know, I have a pretty good relationship with most guys, and, and what I do is a little differently. You know, I'm I'm more concerned with uh, you know trying to break news and that kind of thing. And you know, you know, he's a color commentator. Where you know, I, I mean, it, it, the way journalism is now today, it's, it's so instant that you you have to. Um, analyze things and, and share some opinion, you know, in the, in the blog world and things like that. So, you know, again, you're going to have some run-ins, but, um, you know, I, th- I think one thing I like about dealing with the baseball players as opposed to college sports or high school sports, you're, you're dealing with guys that are adults and have kind of been through it. You know, there's 
there's some young guys on this team, but you know the majority of them are, you know, highly played professional athletes. And, and uh, the Reds are—it's a pretty good clubhouse to deal with. There's no guys in there right now that are really any trouble at all to deal with. You mentioned blog, and and, and you've been doing that for two or three years, I think now. How does how do you see that as differing from your basic you know your regular reporting for the paper? Well, I, I think one thing, a blog is more personal. You put a little more of your personality into it, and I, you know from the feedback I get, people enjoy that. The other thing is it's instant. You know, there was a time when um, you know I write three not that long ago we write three stories a day. I think I probably got eight or nine blog updates today, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot happened. Um, and that's typical. So, you know, w- once I get here, and particularly in spring training, because we get here very early before the games start, um, you know, I'm, I'm at it all day and, and posting things. And, um, you know, the, the blog gets tremendous readership. It gets more readership than probably any one entity on um, on uh, Cincinnati.com. I think last year it had five, over 5 million page views. So it, it's 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 a very popular vehicle, and it's a very, uh, you know, it's a very loyal and very uh, informed audience. You know, I, it's, when people, the, the other thing I do there, you know, I don't, I don't say Reds manager Dusty Baker because anybody who's on that blog knows <laughs> yeah. who he is. You know? So you, you don't have to. I mean, you can assume people know a lot more if they're reading the blog than they are reading the newspaper because it's. If you're going to a Cincinnati Reds blog, you're you're a pretty hardcore fan, in my opinion. Yeah. Do um, th- when you went into blogging, was it some? I mean, some I've read where some guys kind of had to be drug into it, kicking and screaming. Other ones had to be, you know, were really excited about the idea. Um, how did you feel about it when you started doing it? Well, I think if you just look at the the business, you have to do anything you can to, to attract readership and, and young readers, and I think it's. It's a vehicle that you know young people are more interested in than, than probably the printed product. So yeah, I, you know I was all for it. And the other thing that, that it allows me to do is you know when they traded Jeff Keppinger, um, Rob Butcher, the PR guy, called me and I had that up on my blog within ten seconds. You know, and the way it worked in the past, even with the internet, you'd have to I'd have to call someone to get them to post that. You know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the thing I'm doing now is Twitter, and I, I like that really well because it's very short and it's it's quick and it's instant, and you know that, that's the way it's got to be now. You can't wait until the morning to try to break news. You gotta you gotta do it as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah. You said you've been covering the Reds now for seven years, and how do you think the team has changed philosophically, like the plan for success in the time that you've covered them? I mean, it's been what through three owners, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think actually, I think Lindner had. Had he bought the team when you started? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I basically started in uh, 2001. Um, I, I think the, the philosophy. I think you're seeing the big change right now. I mean, it. The, you know, whatever for whatever reason, it did not work out with Ken Griffey and uh, Adam Dunn. So, you know, they moved away from that. They made a conscious decision last year to to move beyond those guys, and they brought in a younger, more athletic team. And I, I think the pitching has improved tremendously. But, um, you know, I, I wonder, like everyone else, does this team have enough offense to win? I think their, their, their starting rotation is as good as it's been, you know, probably back into the, the early 90s. Uh, you know, they've got the, the young kids that are pretty good. And, you know, I think Aaron Harang will bounce back and have a decent year. And, you know, Bronson Arroyo has won 
14 or 15 games uh, for the last five years. So, you know, they have that, and, uh, you know, they, they've emphasized athleticism and speed, and, you know, that, whether it works or not, I don't know. But I think uh, when you've lost eight years with one philosophy, you got to kind of look at a, another way of doing things. Okay, and your tenure covering the Reds, can you pick a player who's been the easiest to deal with from a, from a beat writer perspective? I'd say Sean Casey. He's just a you know he's he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, and, and I was thinking about it the other day. I guess it's something on my blog. My favorite guys, and you know, one of them was Adam Dunn. I mean, he he took a, a tremendous amount of criticism. Um, some of it justified, some unjustified. But he was willing to talk any time after a loss, and he was willing to talk about himself when he was bad. And, you know, I think uh, that's really a mark of a, you know, a guy with some character. You know, it's, it, it's tough when you get, get beat and then you, you're slumping and to, to face the music. And he, he did it all the time. But, um, yeah, I, you know, he, he's, a, he's a different kind of guy than Casey. But um, those are two of the guys, that, you know, high-profile players. I mean, most of the, the guys I got along with are, got to know better were real high-profile players, but the guys that, you know, you had to face every day, they, they were really good. Um, there's a bunch of a bunch of guys, like, it's been a good clubhouse pretty much since I've been doing it. And there's not a, you know, I had my run-ins with Griffey and stuff, but I think, you know, underneath it all, he's a pretty good guy, and he's a good family guy, you know, and we haven't had much uh, off-field stuff, really, none to speak of in the time I've been on the beat, you know, he's kind of... Brian Phil got cup, trouble a couple of times. Yeah, but, you know, and not much at all. I know you're a big Sarasota fan, and this is the last spring training in Sarasota. What are your thoughts on the Reds leaving Sarasota? Well, I, you know, I'm I'm sad. I, you know, I think it's the best place to to train in Florida. Um, I love to hear you know where I stay. It's a great town. at the best beach in Florida. You know, and I stay right near the beach. So it, it, you know, I'm I'm gonna miss it from that standpoint. But I. I also understand why it happened. Um, the, the, particularly the county down here, just uh, they, they didn't step forward when they had to. And, um, you know, I think uh, they realized it too late, and I think it's going to have a tremendous economic impact yeah. on this town, um, and, and I think they've underestimated it. And the other thing, you know, it's going to cost them, them some jobs, and jobs are just so hard to find now. So I think it's, it's a bad move for... Uh, you know, for the town, um, and I, you know, the Reds did what they had to do. I mean, I, I, I've never been to Arizona for spring training, but from what I understand, it's things are much more centralized, and the weather's a little better. Um, so, you know, I, I think it, it'll be fine. I just think that it would have, it would have been nice if something could have been worked out here. Yeah, what what, what I what I've been saying, and I'm a big Siesta Key guy myself, um, is. Sarasota didn't leave the Reds any choices, so as a business decision, this was the only decision the Reds could make. But for the fans, this is a really sad experience with them, you know, with them losing the Reds in Florida. Yeah, you know, I think what what you have down here, you have, you know, one of my older sisters has retired. They're retired and they live down here. Um, you know, you have a lot of people like that. You're not going to have very many people like that at all in um, in Arizona. So you know, I. I but again, it was going to cost them ten million dollars to stay. And the other thing, I think, when push came to shove, they just could not trust the government here to come through on any of their promises because they basically reneged that at one point they had a deal and they backed out of it, you know, and then it became a political issue. And, and times are tough down here. I mean, the, the housing market it hit here well before it hit Cincinnati. Right. So, 
in the rest of the country. So I, I can see it from both sides, but again, it's just kind of sad. John, how's your routine different in spring training than it is during the regular season? Well, it's a lot earlier. Yeah. <laughs> generally, generally meet with Dusty uh, before the game start. We meet with him at 8 o'clock. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's just a different kind of uh, uh, day. Um, but it's, it's, spring training is much more casual. You, know, you talk to the starting pitchers and he comes out of the game. The, the game's don't mean anything. I mean, uh, if you look at the Reds, I think they've had five straight winning seasons in spring training and they haven't followed up. So it, it's just a different kind of laid-back atmosphere. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing is that at this point, we're, I'm two days from coming home, you're, you're done. I mean, you want to get out of here. You want to get on with the regular season. And, um, you know, spring training is always too long, but this year it's about a week longer, so it's just been, it's been a long haul. Is um – is it tough to find things to write about in spring training? I mean, some days it's you and Hal McCoy have articles with like featuring the same player or the same subject, and it, it almost seems like it. it, it well, the, does the team suggest subjects sometimes? You know, does Rob Butcher suggest things, or is it is it tough to find things to write about some days? No, I think I think where that happens sometimes, Dusty will say something that kind of merits um, you know being addressed that day and. Mm-hmm. You know, other days it's just coincidence. I, I, I try to avoid that, but um, you know, some days it's just it's just not it's not avoidable. Um, I, you know, I don't. The, the thing I, I don't like about spring training is it's, it's, if you're writing about guys, it, it all starts to sound the same. Everybody's going to say they were hard in the off season. Everybody's going to have a better year and that kind of thing. And it, it's just uh, you know, so I when whenever there's any news, I try to pursue that because I think if you know and the. The big thing people want to know is who's going to be on the roster and that kind of thing. So I, I try to write about that as much as possible and, and try to avoid the, the, the features all the time. I'd rather just have a little bit of news and try to spin something out of that. So that, that's, that's what I try to do. You can't do it every day. Um, you know, but uh, most days I think I can do something along those lines. Yeah. Considering that this team hasn't had a winning record since, what, 2000, I guess, did did you find it odd that there were so few roster spots available coming into spring training? Well, I, I think um, you know I, I, you want your team fairly set, and you can't really base much on spring training, right. um, particularly with veteran players. I think you know the thing you had here is they you know they've just decided that 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 they like Paul Yanish and. Um, and or Adam Rosales over Jeff Kepinger. I think, you know, guys like that, spring training means a lot too. But, you know, the example with Aaron Harang a couple years ago, you know, he had a, a horrible spring and a great year, and then last year he had a great spring and a horrible year. So it, it, it doesn't mean that much. And, I, you know, they had, a, they had enough guys that did enough uh, to, uh, to, to merit winning those jobs. Um, you know, someone like... Johnny Cueto, some people question why they'd why he be given the four spot. You know, and he, he came down here and just pitched lights out. Um, I think that they most teams make their decisions based more on what, what happened during the regular season. And, you know, they went out and, ad- and addressed a couple of needs they saw. You know, they signed Willie Traveris and traded for Ramon Hernandez. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, I mean, Walt Jockey, a guy with a pretty good record, decided that that's what they needed to do. And then, you know, I think that at some point they – haven't really said this, but I, the, the economy kind of scared them. So I think that kept them from from making another move for an outfielder, perhaps. And you know, uh, 
you know, yeah. I think that kind of set the roster. Yeah, because those outfielders got pretty a lot more affordable towards as spring training got ready to start. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I think at the same time, um, you know, I, I was uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they still go out and try to get a left-handed bat off the bench because yeah, right now you're looking at Lance Nix, but. Now, Chris Dickerson has had a good spring. He's uh, he's hitting over 300. He's made a couple really nice throws in the last few days to get a guy at the plate. And I think, you know, you, you got to kind of reward your, the guys in your system a little bit. If you if you give them a chance to win a job in spring training and they come in and and do what he's done, you, you might be willing to take a chance on him. You know, he he hasn't proven himself as a hitter in the minor leagues, but if you look at the guy, he's you know, got all the tools, and I think they, they just decided at some point. Well, we're not we're not going to be able to get um, you know Lance Berkman to play left field for us. So let's just go with what we got. And uh, you know, they, they might have been able to upgrade a little bit through free agency, but uh, I think they just decided to roll the dice with Dickerson. Do, do you think Gomes has got the teammate? From what I've read, do you do you see him as platooning with Dickerson, or do you think Chris has done enough that he's going to be the starter every day at least to start the season? I think there's, I think there's going to be a platoon. I think it could be Jerry Harrison. They're going to give him some playing time out there. I think, and I think Gomes will get some playing time. Um, you know, it's it, Gomes started out really well in the spring. He's kind of cooled off. But I think the thing they like about him is he's a fiery personality. He's a tough guy. I think, uh, you know, and he has he has really off the chart power. So, um, you know, I I, I think. Uh, you know, guys are going to have to earn some playing time. Um, I think if he gets in there and plays well, Dusty will ride. Most managers will. If, if you get in there and play well, they'll, they'll ride the hot hand. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, get a lot of time in right field, I mean left field. It looks like, it looks like Danny Herrera is probably going to let, win that spot in the bullpen over over Bray. Is, is, do you, is that the way it's looking to you? If I had a guess right now, I'd say yeah, because I think uh, you know both of them have options. Herrera's pitching much better now. You know, Dusty's kind of hitting at the off-speed guys who throw majority of off-speed stuff uh, pitch well early. So you know, Herrera's another guy. He came in, and it's, it's hard to argue with what he did. You know, and I don't think uh, you know Bill Bray could argue with it. It's, uh, Bray's Bray's ERA is a lot better than the way he's pitched. He's given up a bunch of unearned runs, which you know. Sometimes when that third out is in the air is on, on what would have been the third out, you know, the, the pitcher still gets beat around after that, but none of the runs are earned. And that's, yeah. uh, I think that's a little bit of why the ERA is as bad as he's pitched. You mentioned the comments Dusty made about, about Herrera, and we talked about that a little bit on our blog. Did you kind of feel like he's discounted Herrera's talent and what he's done in the minor leagues, or do you – it, it it didn't rang like a a real endorsement of his talent. Well, I, yeah, I think it, you know you could look at it as a backhanded compliment in a way, but I think he likes the kid, um, and everyone will tell you to hear that you know the, the one thing the kid's got is guts because he, you know he only throws eighty four miles an hour, and you think that uh, watching it come in that they're going to kill it, but he, he's just been effective, and you know um, I. I I think when when Dusty said that, he also said, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but it is, it is a fact that, you know, guys adjust the fastballs first, and you know, the stuff he throws, he's got so many pitches. Uh, you know, I, I, until proven otherwise, I think you know this, this kid could, could really have an effect on the team because if you're looking at Jared Burton followed by him or vice versa, it's just it's just two different 
uh, approaches to pitching and you know different looks. So I, yeah, you know, I think uh, I think you'll make it and, and they'll see. And then you know, and the other thing with Bray with his injury history, he they need him to get out there and, and pitch every other day and prove he can. Because if you got two left handers in the bullpen, you, they're going to get a lot of work and it's going to be on a lot of times going to pitch on consecutive days. Yeah, you 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 wrote about uh, Arroyo's this carpal tunnel flaring up on him again. Is this something that could theoretically land him on the DL, do you think, or do you think this is something he'll pitch through? Uh, I think he'll pitch through it. He's a guy who's never missed a start in his life, and I think, you know, it, 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 he's on anti-inflammatories, and if you've ever taken them, they take a couple days yeah. to kind of kick in, and I think once they kick in, you know, and he, he's pitched through it, I think. The only way he'll end up on the DL is if, if he tries to pitch through it, he's not effective. Um you know, he, he pitched the other day, and he didn't mention it afterward. And you know, I—it's uh, kind of an odd thing. You know, and the, the time he said it flared up the first time was when he beat the, the Angels in uh, in two oh four. I looked up the game. He pitched six innings, gave up three hits and two runs. So I mean, he he, he, he figured a way to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and they can do a lot for guys with you know ice and treatment and that kind of thing. So so, I, so I'd be surprised. So the last spot in the bullpen is probably down to what Bailey or Massett. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think so, um, and I think it's going to be Massett. I, you know, uh, Bailey's had a very good spring, but um, you know, I think that there's some sentiment to send him down, and he's always been a starter. Massett hasn't been. Uh, you know, Massett's relieved a lot more than Bailey in his career, and, and Massett doesn't have options. And I, I right. think if, if Massett he, he gave up a run, one on two runs today, one unearned. But um, I think if he came back to the bullpen and hadn't pitched well in his first couple of uh, outings, they might have looked at it. But I think right now that they probably just make that move. And, uh, you know, Homer's the opening day starter at Louisville. Yeah, and it, it would be another test of his new attitude too, I guess, to see how he reacts to being sent down. Yeah, I, I actually think he'll be fine with it. He, these guys understand the business of it, you know, and they know when they have options and, and the way it works. I mean, it, it, I think it would be harder for him to accept if uh, if Mike Owens didn't pitch as well as he has. And, um, you know, I, yeah. Owens just did that well and, and his bat's a factor. You can't discount that. He'll he'll get a lot of time, a lot of pitch hit opportunities off the bench, I'm sure. His bat's really superior to any pitcher I've ever seen. Yeah. You mentioned that they that you kind of think they might still be looking for a left-handed bat, and I think I think you mentioned the other day that, that Javier Valentin was was at the ball game after after he'd been released by the, the Nationals. Do you think he's an option? I don't. I think uh, you know the thing about him is he's just so one-dimensional. Um, they don't view him as a, as a catcher anymore. I mean, and I don't know if that's right or not, but yeah. when you don't, um, when when he really can only play one position position and uh you know he's only a left-handed bat i think you know i think the thing they, they like nixon that he's a, he's a really good outfielder and he has some some pop you know and he's he's come around a little bit this spring he, he's never done it so i think on that though if if they can't make a move they'll just you know go with the guy and see if it finally clicks for him he's only 28 years old um you know he was at one time a big time prospect so i, I think you know that they, they would live with it over for signing someone like hobby there's been a lot of talk in the in the blog world about Jock Jones. Uh, he's a he's a dusty guy. Played for Dusty in Chicago. 
and now it looks like he's probably going to end up in Louisville. Do you see him starting in Louisville, or you know? And if, and if that's the case, does it make sense for him to be blocking somebody like a Danny Dorn or somebody like that from playing time? Do well, you? I think they'll look at that. I, you know, I, I, they're not going to sit through Stubbs to play Jock Jones, I'm sure. And uh, you know, it, it's something they'll look at. Um, you know, Dusty compared it to Jerry Harrison when he went down there and uh, got his bat together, and then was up here and was a you know, big time contributor. I, I think if he goes to Louisville, it'll probably only be for a few months. Uh, you know, maybe they give him six weeks and see. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know that they. They said pretty clearly that they need a spot there, and I think you know I haven't I haven't looked at the Louisville roster close enough. You know, I'm worried enough about big league camp. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to send him down there if he's going to keep a prospect from playing. Okay, it it, it looks like they're going to have to clear at least two spots on the forty man roster. Any idea of of who they take off, or do you even look at that kind of stuff? I haven't, you know, looked at it recently. Um, I. Uh, it's a lot tougher yeah. decision than it was a couple of years ago. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I like I said, I, I haven't looked at it recently, but you know, they have. Uh, shoot, I yeah, I haven't. I haven't Norris about Hopper it. is the name that jumps out at me. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, after his spring, he might pass through waivers, and you yeah. know. Um, yeah, that counting Keppinger, Keppinger, that, that clears the spot. So, um, yeah, he does clear a spot. That's true. Yeah, so they, they got one there, and, you know, I uh, guess they'll have to, Gomes, they team, they have to have him. And, you know, Darnell McDonald's had a great camp, too, but I, I just can't see him going into the season with no left hand at bat off the bench. So, right. Um, and it'll be interesting. Uh, so Gomes know, and Nick will other, have to be added. And... Yeah, the, yeah, there's a there's always those last few days of scrambling, and you know somebody ends up going on the 60 day disabled list or something like that. But yeah, that's, that's something we'll have to figure out before we get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, from what you've seen in camp, John, do you, do you think this team can contend for a playoff spot? I would be surprised if they contend for a playoff spot. I think they can they can play close to 500 or get a little over 500 if a lot of things go right. I, you know, I, I don't have any doubts about the pitching. There's, you know, right. not that long ago, maybe three years ago, Mike Owens would be the third starter. I mean, they would just be head over heels about him. But, you know, Cueto and, and Bullquist have been lights out. You know, and like I said, Harang has the, the record and so does uh, Arroyo. And, you know, and I think the bullpen's solid from, Cordero's kind of come around lately, so that that was the one question the bullpen I had. Um, you know, Mike Lucas looked tremendous. Uh, you know, so I, I think they've got the pitching. But if, if you look at their everyday lineup, there's just not many guys who have proven it on a on a year in year out basis. I think the only one that you can really say that about is Brandon Phillips, and he he has a pretty short career. And you know, Ramon Hernandez has done it over over time, but. Other than that, you get you get questions about everybody there, and you know if those guys all have career years, yeah, they could probably make the playoffs. But it doesn't usually happen that way. I think uh, you know there, there's a lot of questions. If there's injuries, I mean, if, if Gonzalez can't go, although you know he said today he's ready, um, you know you're putting Paul Yanish or Adam Rosales um, in a position where they're going to play it pretty much. So it's you know I think 
if they stay healthy, if these guys hit like they're capable of, I think I think they can be in the mix. And I, you know, I I don't think there's you look around the National League, not a lot of teams got a lot better. So you know, I think the Cubs are definitely the team to beat. But um, you know, I think it, it I think that would be a, a pretty lofty goal for them to contend for a, a wild card spot. And I, I, I think with with this team, a, a quick start is just paramount because you you've got a young team. If they get out good, they're you know they'll they'll build confidence and they'll snowball. If it happens the other way, it's gonna, I think it can snowball the other way. So. Um, I, you know, I think with with a lot of things going right, yeah, they they, they possibly could. Is, has Rosales played any shortstop this spring? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's played. Uh, oh, you say Rosales? Yeah, yeah, Dusty does it all the time. And I think he's a I think he's played about three or four games. You know, he, he was a shortstop. Uh, yeah, when he was drinking. Well, yeah, when he was at Dayton, he was a shortstop. Yeah, he had the he had the Tommy John, so they, right. he was well enough to play first base. So, you know, he played a year where he played a lot of first and then some third. And um, you know, he's very athletic, and you know, he's a. I think fans would love him if he got to play very much because he just he hustles like nobody else. You know, the the Pete Rose comparisons are apt. I mean, and you know, he's he's a guy where different. I, when I really thought Keppinger might be in trouble of not making his team is when Dusty refer to Rosales and said the guy's got some sock and he's got some speed. Well, Kevinger doesn't have either one. And, uh, you know, he's below average as far as power and below average as far as speed as a major leaguer. So I think Rosales has got a little more talent. So, again, you know, they, they kind of went with the, the young guy with more tools. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, if you look at his record, he's hit pretty well in the minors and, you know, but he hasn't done it in the majors. So that's, that's always the test with any young player. Yeah. Um, Tavares and, and, and Hernandez were gone for part of spring training with the WBC. Tell us what you've seen of them since they've come back. Well, Tavares has looked pretty good. I mean, he's, he's going to run down a lot of balls. And the one thing he's done, I, I haven't looked today, but he, I think he was leading the team in walks with like six mm-hmm. walks. Uh, if he can, he can take a walk more often and get his on base up to – you know, three fifty or so. I think he, he's a viable guy in the leadoff spot. If he's like he was last year, was on base was three oh seven. It's not going to work. Um, and you know, I think if, if that's the case, you may see Jerry Harrison um, surpass him and, and get some playing time. Uh, uh, Hernandez, uh, you know, I, the one thing I remember him doing is hitting a home run where he just said, "Whoa, he's got some, you know, got some pop to uh, the right center, you know, and, and the other thing about him that's really struck me is he, he's a guy that everybody likes. I mean, he, he comes in the morning, he says hi to every teammate, you know, and he he's very positive with the pitchers, uh, you know, he, he's working that out. So, um, and I think he'll have a pretty good influence on, on the young, the two young Latin pitchers because, I, you know, as much as they talk about it and everything, you know, Cueto understands English pretty well. I think at times last year that had to be a factor when, you know, um, uh, Paul Baca was catching him, you know, and just the, the language barrier because I, I think, you know, you need so much easier to communicate in your native language. And, and and Cueto is so young, you know, that it has to be, a, you know, he's still dealing with the transition, I would think. Yeah, I think with him, uh, the, the, the mark will be whether he matures, how much he matures, because his stuff is as good as Volkland's, uh, and you know, he's been lighting up down there. I've seen him up to 95 on the on the radar gun. But 
but you know, he he would come unraveled and lose his composure at, at points last year. And you know, if, if he can overcome that, you could see him physically frustrated on the mound. You just, and you never saw that from Volquez. Volquez, um, I think, dealt with that a little bit earlier in his career. But he was a guy that was just um, unflappable in any kind of situation. And you know, I think if it, if Cueto can take a that way, I think he can be very good this year. Do you think they're seeing uh, Jerry Harrison kind of the way they used to use uh, Ryan Friel? You know, a little bit in the infield, a little bit in the outfield. We'll see a little bit of him everywhere. Yeah, I think I think you will. I think you'll see him get um, pretty much playing time. The one thing they don't have now is with with Brandon Phillips in second. You know, he's, he's going to play 160 games, so that that's not a an option to get playing time there. Um, you know, but uh, you know. Jerry does pretty well wherever they put him. I mean, um, he's he's not the, the best shortstop in the world, but, um, you know, they had a great record with him in the lineup last year. I mean, not, a lot of times that's coincidence, but, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to argue with. You know, I think they were 11 or 12 over 500 with him in the lineup and, you know, what, what they were without him. So, uh, you know, and I think he's a guy Dusty likes. He plays with a lot of energy. Um, you know, and like I said, I think if, if Traveris really struggles, they, they will look at playing him in center some. And, you know, um, and another thing, you know, that they can protect Bruce and, uh, and uh, Dickerson a little bit by playing him against uh, left-handed pitching. Although, you know, Bruce, uh, Bruce looked decent against left-handed pitching recently. He's, he's had a good spring. I think uh, he's kind of maybe a little overlooked because he got so much hype last year. But, you know, he's got... 12 RBIs, three bombs, and, uh, you know, he's hitting right around 290. So, and, and, uh, and I think it, it, there was a question about him. Uh, you know, he had never done it on the, on the big league level, and I think uh, he's a competent kid, and he worked hard in the offseason. So, I, I think he's going to have a decent year. What, what do you see as a ceiling? Do you see a ceiling for him and Votto? Or, or, or how good do you think uh, they can be? I, I've talked to some scouts for something I'm doing for the opening day section, you know, and, the thing they, they all say about Bruce is he has an electric bat. He's a more thump than Votto. Um, you know, he hit seven home runs in August and seven home runs in September last year. You know, and that's that's a uh, 42 home run season. I, I don't think he's going to hit 40 this year or or next year. But I think in Great American Ballpark, and he had, you know he has opposite field power too, and the ball really carries the left center. So I think you know it's conceivable that he hits 30 home runs. Um, you know, I, I think he's going he's to hit around 300. Um, you know, and I, the other thing he needs to do is get his, his defense has to get better. He made he made 11 errors last year. That's just way too many for an outfielder. So uh, I think he he uh, you know I think if, if the ceiling is probably a 300 hitter with you know 30 home runs, and that's that's going to get you well over 100 RBIs. I I think in Vado's case. Um, He's very patient. I think he's going to always have a good on-base percentage. He's uh, he really thinks up there. Um, but the scouts tell me that he doesn't have as much natural power as Bruce. Uh, you know, and I think it, uh, it, the other factor with him is he just didn't play as, nearly as much baseball growing up as someone like uh, right. Bruce did. So, you know, I, I think uh, the thing that strikes me about both those guys is they really want to get better and. That doesn't always mean you're going to get better, but if, if you really work at it and you're serious about your craft, uh, it, it really helps. Um, Encarnacion, if, if he can't start the year, if he is injured, you know, the shoulder, it is a shoulder, I think, right? 
Yeah. If he can't go, who who do they go to at third base? Do you think? Um, I, I think he will get. He he played today in the game. Oh, did he? So, okay. Um, yeah, he played. I think he played seven innings at third base. So uh, I, I think he he'll be all right. And if if there was any doubt that he was going to go on the DL, they would just played him in a minor league game. Right. So um, I, I think he, he'll be okay. I guess right now the backup plan would be Rosales. And they had Yanish uh, play a little bit at third, so it's you know there's not a lot of good choices. You know, well, I guess they could play Harrison there too, but um, you know they're counting on uh, on Edwin Encarnacion to have a decent year, and I think if, if he doesn't, this team's in some trouble. Um, you know, I, I, he he hasn't done it. He's kind of the, the fans' favorite whipping boy now. But if, I think if you look at Amaris uh, Ramirez's stats from the time he till he was. Edwin Bage, they were about the same. Number of errors, RBIs, average, and he just took off. Uh, the thing that people tend to forget about Edwin is he's, I think he's uh, four or five months older than Joey Votto. So, you know, he, he's still a young guy. Um, but, again, he has to do it. Um, and I, I think, uh, particularly defensively, he just has to get better. And um, if he doesn't, you know, they're going to have to look at They've got some guys in the pipeline and uh, they're going to have to look at doing something. Yeah. Do, do you see a conflict, John, with the philosophy the Reds have playing in a, a power park and yet they seem to be setting the team up and focusing on defense and speed? Do, do you see a conflict there? Well, I think it, it just didn't work the other way. I think, you know, in, in theory, you know, I think Bowden tried to build this team of, of hammers and they did it. I mean, I can remember in the Bob Boone years, one year they, you know, they, I think they led the the uh, league and OPS, but, you know, they also lost however many games. Um, you know, I, I, again, I I don't blame it on Griffey or Dunn or anything like that, but, you know, that, that philosophy had its chance, and it didn't work, you know, and I, I know I read the blogs and comments on the blogs and people, you know, uh, are, are, have their plan on what they have to do, but I'm pretty sure everybody on this blog has a few less Championships and then uh, Walt Jockey, and, <laughs> you think? That, yeah. and that's what he thought they needed to do. So yeah. uh, you know, it, it's on him and it's on Castellini. I mean, Castellini has his people in place. You know, he's got the GM he wanted. So you know, they're they're going to ride it this way. <laughs> uh, you know, I think uh, Walt's done it enough in the past, and I think he he can figure it out. And you know, he he's pretty confident in this team, from all I can tell. John, you, you grew up in Cincinnati. You're, I assume you were a Reds fan growing up. You, do you still consider yourself a Reds fan? Not really. I mean, you, you just, you, I just have to look at it objectively, completely. And, um, you know, I like some of the guys. And, uh, you know, I like most of the guys. But it's just, you just, as a journalist, you just got to divorce yourself from that. And, um, you know, I... It, I tell you one thing: it doesn't affect my mood one way or another if they win or lose. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I would love to see them have a uh, a winning season, just because uh, you know I, I think the fans deserve it. I think you know it, uh, they they supported them. You know, they're not setting any records with attendance, but these people have been very patient with them, and I think you know they had some ownership that, that didn't get it. I think this ownership gets it. And I think. They're, they're trying to win, but I, I say many times, trying to win and winning in baseball are two different things. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, they don't use it as an excuse, but being a small market team, you know, they, they played the Yankees today, the Yankees 
payroll is 120 million more than theirs. So that's that's a that's a thing to deal with. But I, I think they've they've done the right things at the lower level. You know, they the kid that pitched for the Netherlands on um in the WBC, they paid him five hundred thousand dollars and it was a thirty first round draft choice yeah, that's or something all like that. Yeah. yeah, I think people you know, people don't pay that much attention to that. But you know, and then they signed the two kids uh, the one from the Dominican, one from Venezuela, for you know over two million each. I think those have laid the seeds for things to turn around, and that's going to take some time. But um, you know, I, I think I think they're doing a lot of things right. Um, you know, it, it would have given them a better chance that they, they increase the payroll to a hundred million. Yeah, definitely. They, they, you know, somebody else would be playing left field. But um, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody's in business to lose money, and and with this economy. You know, to hold the payroll of what it is is what I thought was when a lot of teams aren't doing that. I think that was that was enough, and you know, and then we'll we'll try to win with the, the kids they have. John, of the of the Reds teams you've seen in your life, give us your all time starting lineup. Of players I've seen, yep. Um, if I've been covering it, you know, I'd be Barry Larkin at short, Aaron Boone third. Brandon Phillips is second. You know, that's probably, it'd be a hard call at first between Votto and Casey. I think, uh, you know, Casey has, has the better record right now, but I think Votto has the potential to be better. Um, and, you know, center field probably Griffey, left field done, um, right field. Ooh, and, you know, I, again, I think I'd, I'd probably go with Bruce just because he's, uh, he's got that potential and, uh, and catcher, boy, I'd probably leave that one open for now. And, you know, <laughs> Whoever showed up. <laughs> yeah, since I've uh, been on it, it's been Jason LaRue, who was, you know, just didn't hit that much, and uh, and I didn't think was that great defensively. Uh, he worked at it real hard, hard-nosed guy, but, you know, other than that, they, they just haven't, they haven't had a lot of success there. And I, I think that's one of the reasons Walt thought he had to address that position, because it's, it's, it's hard to... Build a team around uh, when you know when when you have a couple catchers who like they had last year. You know, David Ross had one decent year, and um, you know they, they signed him to that contract. Uh, and, you know, and then Paul Baca was a minor league free agent, and that was you know your starting catchers for last year. So I think you know I think Hernandez is coming off a bad year, but I think he has a chance to be a lot better than what they had last year. The season's a long season for a beat writer. I don't know how many days off you get during the year, but it isn't a whole lot. What do you do immediately after the season's over, John? Uh, for a couple of weeks, I don't do much. You know, um, the thing, is, the one thing you, 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 most people think, well, you want to take a vacation, but I, I'm, I've been gone for you know, 120 days by the time the season ends. So I just kind of, you know, that's one of the good things about. The job is that you know in the off season I don't have to go into the office. I, you know, get out of bed and walk into my home office and, and work from there. And you know, it's a, it's a it's a lot less pressing. And you know, um, you know, there's always stuff going on in the off season. People, I, I get asked a thousand times through the course of the off season, what do you do when the season's over? It's like, well, there's you know, I still cover the Reds. There's there's stuff happening that's more important than you know a game in July. So. Uh, you know, I, I try to rest a little bit, and then uh, you know, back at it and trying to figure out what they're going to do in the off season. 
All right. Well, that's about all we've got today. John, I want to thank you very much for your time today. I hope we can do this again maybe sometime during the season. Yeah, anytime. All right. Thanks again.